This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out bluewirepods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Blue Wire. Kawhi Leonard is going to join the Clippers. Kawhi turns the corner for the win. Welcome to Clip and Roll, everybody. I am your host, Justin Russo. I'm your other host, Farmad Esnashari, and we have a special guest for you today. Somebody I hate to love and love to hate. Introduce yourself. Jovan Buha. From that, where? I mean, where are you from? <laughs> uh, Clippers beat writer for The Athletic. This is my worst intro ever. <laughs> it's all right. Don't worry about it. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by Bet Online, your online wagering experts. So Yovan's here because Yovan's been uh, writing some articles, and one of the interesting stuff he's gotten into is a potential Clippers Dallas first round series. But we're not going to start with that because that isn't like the up to the date news in a news cycle where nothing has happened, nothing new ever breaks except for Steve Ballmer had an interview with Bloomberg and Farbod. You. And Sports Illustrator wrote about it, so take this one over. Yeah, before I get to that, I wanted to give Jovan a little bit better of an introduction since he was so bad at his own. Um, he actually was the former host for this podcast, and we owe a lot of our gratitude to him for him building this platform for us to you know, talk to these fans. But yeah, um, so Steve Ballmer had gone on Bloomberg and mentioned the Clippers are going to lose eight digits uh, in terms of income. And one of the little interesting tidbits that I liked was that he said he owed uh, contracts to smaller vendors and he wanted to pay all them out. So for one instance was um, all the t-shirts for the playoff games was a $100,000 deal. And so he paid all those off, things like that. Um, He's kind of been the only one in the news for the Clippers this entire week from buying the forum you know, to donating $25 million and now talking about the Bloomberg interview. So now he said eight figures, so obviously that means at least $10 million. But none of us, none of the three of us have any idea what the loss of money will be for the Clippers. And to be fair, it's not like it's going to make a huge dent in Steve Ballmer's pocketbook because he's worth, what was, his net worth the last time I looked was like $56 billion. But, you know, I mean. 25 Jordans. Yeah, yeah, as we said, yeah. Um, 
But for owners who don't have as much capital as him and don't have as much leeway in the net worth department, that's a big blow. Like, I remember there was an interview with Balmer a long time ago where he said he did like no one makes money really off of NBA teams. Like a lot of people just tread water for the most part. And if you're just treading water and, and what happened this season happened, it kind of screws you over. Yeah. I mean, it's also probably why, you know, the Rockets owner hasn't paid out a lot of his employees at other venues besides the Toyota center, just because I think everybody's just taking such a massive loss. You know, this season, I think he got bullied into that. I think they said, I could be wrong, but I think they said, Adam Silver said they were going to lose like what, like 400 or 500 million just from the stuff that happened with China in the beginning of the season. Well, yeah. And if that's true, then it's a lot more than 10 million being lost per team. Yeah, no, I, I, I think this is just been a disaster year for the NBA, uh, really starting with the whole China situation. Um, you know, the, the TV ratings, this being postponed, uh, you know, this is, is in season. Like, it's just been overall a very rough fiscal year for the NBA. Um, and almost one I'm sure they're going to want to forget. Like, I do think it would be weird not to have a champion. Uh, but I, I think it like just the kind of big picture of NBA history. This is going to be I mean, a season that the league probably wants to forget. Although like on the court, the, the product was so good this year. And you really had for the first time. Um, and I can't even remember how long, maybe going back like a decade or so, where you really didn't know who was going to be in the finals. You know, it, it's always felt like for the better part of the decade, you at least kind of had one team you could pencil in, if not two. I mean, we we're basically saying Cavs Warriors for the last like four years, um, you know, until last season. So I, I just, I think it it is unfortunate. Like you said, there are a bunch of owners who this is their primary income or this is one of their primary incomes and it is going to really affect their pocketbooks, especially because I think uh, Bomber was, was quoted as saying 10 million in this article, but that seems low to me. You know, I, I would think that would be somewhere in like the 50 to a hundred million range really, you know, if the season is canceled. So um, I think it is, just kind of factoring in everything. It's been a really rough year for the NBA fiscally. Yeah. This is going to be a year where it's going to take them some time to like, I, they honestly, I was going to say it's going to take them some time to catch up fiscally, but they might never catch back up because it's going to kill teams when it comes to BRI and the salary cap. And you know, like what does that do to free agency this off season? Does that screw teams over? If there's less money in uh free agency for everyone like teams to spend it also screws the players and because if the salary cap goes down basically if your roster wasn't already locked into salaries you're you might be actually screwed so there's going to be a lot of stuff that comes out like whenever if the season ever does resume i don't know like i'm very it's very weird like some days i'm very optimistic the other days i'm like oh this is never coming back this year honestly it seems like uh, you you can't do the regular traveling. The more I'm seeing, like the way other states are handling quarantine, it, there's no way. With the way that everything is right now, like this is going to be the quote unquote new normal for several months. So I don't know what a realistic timeline would be for teams to you know get back on planes and start playing in other cities and states. Like it's so far out in the distance as a, as a viable thing, in my opinion, 
that I, I just can't even like bring it to the forefront of my mind and be like, okay, this is when it should happen or this is when it could happen. Like none of us know, least of all the NBA at this point. And, and I think one thing we can probably rule out or at least I just don't see how you fit it in is continuing the regular season. Um, like, you know, you know, part of the, the piece I wrote last week or a couple weeks ago now um, for the athletic was a Clippers Mavericks playoff preview as that is the current two seven matchup. And to me, it just makes sense to go straight to the playoffs. I know it's not ideal. You know, the playoffs is kind of the culmination of the, you know, the previous five, five and a half months of basketball and, you know, you're kind of building up to that and it would be kind of weird to have this break and then go straight to postseason basketball. Uh, you know, I think they'd have to have some type of like seven to 10 day training camp, um, maybe almost like a preseason game or something or, or two in there, just kind of get, get guys warmed up and, and back to kind of, the, you know, just getting reacclimated and, and into how they're kind of used to playing. But, you know, there's been a bunch of people who, when I wrote that story, were like, well, you know, they have to finish the regular season. They they can't not finish the regular season. And I just don't see logistically how you're going to have this, you know, two, three, four month, you know, layoff. And then you're going to have to reschedule all these games for 30 teams. So, you know, maybe they play to 70. Maybe it is one site or, or venue and, and, you know, they, they do it there. Like Las Vegas w- would make some sense with like the way they've run summer league and stuff in the past. Um, but to me, it really would make the most sense probably to almost have like pre, like almost preseason or, or just, you know, exhibition games with the playoff teams, maybe, you know, one or two to, to just get them warmed up and, and then go straight into the playoffs because the playoffs take two months and, and, you know, it's been floated out there now that they have this kind of artificial deadline with Labor Day, which, you know, is the, the first week of September. So if the NBA is returning mid to late June, and they have to be done by early September, they really only have like a two to two and a half month window. If the playoffs are two months, plus you're going to want to give them at least a week, if not two, to kind of have a training camp, get back to practicing, get back on the same page. Like that right there is two and a half months, basically. So I just don't see how they fit in five to 10 regular season games, which some people have been suggesting. So do you think no matter what happens, there's going to be like a little bit of an asterisk if somebody does win this year? I'd, I'd say so. I, I think I almost consider this like a lockout season now, right? Like it, it might end up being, who knows, maybe they play to 70 games. Maybe they figure it out. Maybe they're back earlier in June than, than we think. That's like maybe the most optimistic version uh, of this scenario. Um, and, and they say, hey, you know, everyone plays to 70 games. So some teams that's five games, some teams that's seven games, whatever. Um, but it, it is going to, I mean, it is a weird, like, and, and that's, to, to bring this back to the Clippers, like that's what kind of stinks for the Clippers is they had won seven of their last eight. They were playing, in my opinion, probably the best basketball they had played all season, you know, with big wins over the the Nuggets and the Rockets and the Thunder. Uh, you know, the one loss was to the Lakers and in, in one of their worst shooting performances of the season. Um, just, you know, very uncharacteristic and, and poor shooting from them that, that game. So to me, it was like the Clippers, this was probably the worst time for you guys to have, your momentum kind of halted, um, you know, and if you looked at the next kind of stretch, uh, I'm actually writing about this right now, like their next 10 games were relatively easy. They could have won, you know, eight of their next 10, nine of their next 10 and really been on this kind of monster win streak or, or at least stretch of like 
winning 16 or 17 out of 20 games. And now you're really talking about heading into the playoffs with momentum as the clear number two seed. But now, you know, that's kind of out the window. Um, we, we know with like Kawhi, it takes him, it took him a little bit of time to get going in the beginning of the season. Um, we're just like preseason and stuff. So I, I'm just, I don't know how this affects the Clippers. I think it's good on one hand, maybe for, for getting guys rest, getting Kawhi, PG, Pat all healthy and, and just kind of back on the same page. Um, you know, they can FaceTime with, with assistant coaches and player development and that type of stuff. And maybe Marcus Morris and Reggie Jackson are more comfortable now um, learning the playbook and stuff. But I do think for the Clippers specifically, this did not come at a great time and this could potentially alter their championship potential, in, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, it almost seems like every year Doc Rivers Clippers teams do really well right after the All-Star break. And then it seemed like the exact same thing was happening this year where they go on a nice little run, they beat all the good teams, and they start beating bad teams that they should have been beating, and then they go into the playoffs with you being scared of them. It's it's one of the things that's kind of, I guess, infuriating in a way, is they were seemingly getting on a roll. They looked like they actually, everyone was kind of understanding their roles better, how everyone meshed together, et cetera. And it's like, and then this happens, it's, you know, it's a kick in the gut. And, you know, it makes me wonder, like, if, say they jump right into the postseason, is that first round going to be a seven-game series? Like, like not in terms of, like, will the Clippers have to go seven games with the Mavericks? But, like, is the first round going to be seven games or is it going to be, like, a five-game situation for every first-round series? Because, you know, to save time. I don't think they would do that, but it might be their way to save time. I don't think you can do, like, I, I don't think you can do a five-game when you're already off so much time, like, it would just be such a wonky first round to have a five a five game after that much time off, jumping straight into it. It almost just feels like a sudden death doing it like that. I I, I think it's not ideal, but I do think they, they would, you know, they, they've already talked about potentially shortening the first two rounds, which would really be interesting, especially for the second round. Like first round is a little more straightforward, although that does add some variability to it of like, who knows if, the, the lower seed wins game one. Now all of a sudden they just got to win two more and they win the series. But round two, I think is, is where it'd be interesting. Cause you know, you, you probably have as currently constructed, um, you know, like, like the Lakers and then probably like the jazz in the second round and then the Clippers or the nuggets or rockets in the second round. And I think those would be some really interesting series. Uh, yeah. It's, it's going to be weird. Like, I, I don't know what the solution is. I think if they do go regular season, they probably will have to shorten the first round or two. Uh, my preference personally would just be play the playoffs, play your seven game series. And again, have some type of like exhibition game or two just as like a warm up. But um, I, I also think, you know, you have 14 owners who are just going to be losing a bunch of money, um, you know, m- more so than if they did add some regular season play. So I, I don't know how they're going to figure that out. I, I don't envy Adam Silver with, with, with this responsibility right now. Um, but it, it is like, I'm what I'm more interested in is at what point do we start to get nervous that the season is probably going to end or be canceled? Because again, with that kind of, you know, Labor Day deadline, it does feel like if they're not going by like the first week of July, um, you know, the season's probably going to be canceled. So I wonder at what point do we start to really, you know, is it early June? If nothing has happened, is it mid June? Like, I don't know when that is, but I'm interested in where's like the cutoff of 
if things haven't gotten better, if this hasn't kind of cooled down and, and we're able to start resuming normal life, you know, at what point does the season just get canceled? With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, my friend, you would be wrong. Our exclusive partner still has hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on. Or let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. All open, 24 hours a day, and all online, including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and yes, even the weather. Visit their website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE to get your 100% welcome bonus. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, BLUEWIRE, 100% welcome bonus, BLUEWIRE. Bet online, your online wagering experts. You had mentioned the idea of the playoffs starting immediately instead of, you know, playing out the regular season. And I know you, you'd written a piece about who their potential playoff opponent would be, which would be Dallas. You know, can you talk about what you think is going to happen in that matchup? Well, the series is fascinating to me because Dallas is not the typical seven seed. Um, you know, their statistical profile actually suggests they could very well be the third best team in the West. Uh, I know people don't look at them that way, uh, but they do have the third best net rating in the West, uh, which is point differential per 100 possessions. So that's that's better than Denver, better than Utah, better than Houston. Um, they're right there behind the Lakers and the Clippers. So, you know, it's no cakewalk playing Dallas in the first round. Um, like personally, I would rather, if I'm the Clippers, I'd rather face OKC or Memphis or, or whoever ends up being the eight seed. Um, just because like Dallas has Luka Doncic, who, you know, right now is somewhere in the MVP conversation. You know, I would clearly say he's not number one, but two through five, you can make any type of case for Luka. Um, you know, he's that level of player. And while I'd rather have Kawhi Leonard in a playoff series and think he's a better player, you know, Luka can match Kawhi on any given night. Um, you know, the Clippers have defended him well in, in the two games that they played in the regular season. But Luca, you know, is a top 10 player, in my opinion, um, and, and probably closer to number five than number 10. And just going up against that caliber of a guy in the first round, um, again, it's it's not a normal seven seed kind of scenario. So I, I do think playing Dallas would be challenging. Um, you know, I, I my series prediction was Clippers in five. Um, I think it would be a hard fought five game series. But uh, you know, it would not surprise me if that ended up being a, a six or seven game series uh, w- with how good. To, and, you know, so Dallas, you know, has Rick Carlisle, who to me is, is, you know, one of the best coaches in the league, has long been one of the best coaches in the league. He's very good at getting creative. Um, you know, he, he makes really good adjustments. He's not afraid to try, you know, different things. So, you know, they'd be well coached. Kristaps Porzingis has been coming on over the last month or so playing his best basketball of the season. Um, and they've been going to the small ball lineup with Chris Stops at the five, which I think would give the Clippers a lot of problems because they've kind of struggled defending shooting bigs all season. Uh, so I do think Dallas would be a tough matchup. Now, that being said, I still pick the Clippers in five. I think ultimately Dallas doesn't have an answer for Kawhi or PG. Um, th- th- you know, th- they really don't have 
that good of perimeter defenders. You know, Dorian Finney-Smith is probably their best defender, but he's probably who you want on like a second or third option versus like on Kawhi. Um, so I think Kawhi would destroy them, have a monster series. I, I think PG would probably do the same. Um, and then, of course, the Clippers have the, the Lutrez combination off the bench. But um, I think this would be a fascinating matchup. I, I do not take Dallas lightly, and I, I don't think this would be a sweep. Um, you know, who knows? Maybe with how the Clippers have been playing, it, it ends up being a sweep. But to me, Dallas would be a, a pretty tough seven seed matchup. So it's interesting because I think what's gone under the radar a lot in the NBA this season. Now, obviously, there's reasons why. But Dallas not only leads the NBA this year in offensive rating, they're at 115.8, according to the NBA's website. The difference between them in number one spot and Houston at the number two spot is 2.4 points per 100 possessions. That's the difference from Houston in second to Oklahoma City in 14th. Like, it's insane. And if you go to Basketball References version of the offensive rating metric, they have the best offense in NBA history. Yeah. And... Yeah, and like, and obviously a lot of that's Luca, but obviously, but also as you mentioned, Porzingis has come on as late, come on as of late, and been a monster that they were hoping that he was going to be when they traded for him. So it's like Dallas presents some interesting kind of matchup quirks for the Clippers. Like their second best player is a big man who doesn't actually kind of play like a big man. He wants to step out and shoot threes. Um, there's a lot of high variance when you play the, the Dallas Mavericks. They shoot a lot of threes. They have a lot of capable shooters. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. is a good shooter. Uh, Luca's not as good of a three-point shooter as probably people think he is, but he's still you got to still respect him. And obviously Porzingis is good from downtown. So it's like that's kind of like a matchup issue where I think the Clippers could run into some issues. But I agree with you. I think they should win. Like they have the, they have the best player in that series in Kawhi Leonard. They have by far and away the best number two in Pat, uh, no, almost a Patrick Beverly in Paul George. Uh, and after that, like, I think the Clippers role players are better. So I agree with you that five games, they should probably do it, but I could see it going six and even seven just because of their role guys being such high variance three point shooters. I feel like I'm the only one that's like not really tripping about that matchup. Uh, that was like one of the teams in the regular season where I just felt like the Clippers were going to win. And then they won, you know, all three games. The only thing I'd be kind of scared of is just Rick Carlisle, Dallas teams always figure out a way to play a little better than you expect in the playoffs. Like it reminds me of that one year, I think it was 2014 or 2015 where they faced the Spurs in the first round and suddenly took them to seven games when no one saw that coming and Vince Carter hit a game winner. But like I, for some reason I'd be more scared of OKC than Dallas just, just because OKC there's so many guys with a chip on their shoulder in that series against the Clippers from Chris Paul to Gallo to Shea where that kind of intangible, I guess worries me where I could just see them not wanting to die, especially with the comeback factor that OKC already has where there's such a good comeback team. I think they're the best in the NBA that I would rather face the Mavs than OKC. And I, I would say it goes to five and I wouldn't be surprised if it went to six. The reason I'd rather play OKC is outside of Chris Paul and Gallinari, they don't have three-point shooters. So every trip down the floor in the half court, which yes, Chris Paul is obviously magnificent. We all watched him do it for years with the Clippers. But I can I can see where they can get bogged down against a Clippers defense with length, especially if they do go to their three-guard lineup, which has eviscerated teams this year. You know, Schroeder's been amazing. He's who I would pick for six-man of the year if the award was now. But... 
I with Dallas, it's like Luca's such a tough cover because he's big and physical and such a good ball handler and has every has the entire defense on a string, especially with his playmaking out of pick and rolls. And Porzingis is such a weird matchup because he's so big that you can't really bother his shots mostly. And he's such a great rim protector that it kind of bothers you on that. Like Montrezl Harrell struggled in the Dallas matchups, if I if I recall. Yeah, he 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 averaged twelve points on forty percent shooting, and and they they really like you know Porzingis, Boban, Dwight Dwight Powell's injured now, uh, but Maxi Kleba like they bodied Trez really well and really shut down the Lou Trez pick and roll. Yeah, and so like that's the other thing, right? Is like you want to generate easy baskets, and it's not like the Mavericks, you know, are an atrocious defensive team. They're seventeenth in defensive rating, but you should exploit them on that end. But you know, Montrez and Lou struggled against them. Uh, the only ones who seemingly got going were uh, Kawhi and uh, did PG play against them? I felt like he did, right? The second one, right? He played in he played in one of them. He actually played in the he played in the first one. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he missed the second one because that's when he had the uh, the other hamstring issue. Dallas is not a pushover to me because of their fa- because of the, just because of the fact they can light up the scoreboard and any team that lights up the scoreboard every game kind of is like a shootout and those aren't the ones you really want to be in all the time. But the perspective I'm coming from is in the Lob City Clipper era, they never beat a team without going seven series seven games. So in my head, it's like if 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 I don't project this going to seven games, I'm not that worried. Yeah. Uh, I I mean I, I wouldn't be worried about them losing the series. Like I, I think a lot would have to go wrong, and, and I think the the one thing uh, on top of the Clippers having the the best player and potentially even the second best player, like Paul George, is that good where it would not surprise me if he outplayed Luka Doncic in Luka's first playoff series. Which is another factor here. I, I think you know number one, Dallas. This is not. They do have some veteran guys, but they don't have a lot of key guys with a lot of you know playoff experience. So you have Luca and, and KP making their first, you know, making their playoff debuts. Um, and then beyond that, it's like, okay, Tim Hardaway Jr. I don't think has been in the playoffs before. Um, Seth Curry, you know, ha- has been in the playoffs a couple times, but you know, this is probably a bigger role than than he's had in the past. Um, and just kind of going down the line, like. You know, Willie Cauley-Stein hasn't been in the playoffs. Um, Maxi Kleba hasn't been in the playoffs. So, like, this team, it, just in terms of a, a veteran kind of um, experience factor, that definitely favors the Clippers. Uh, and then I think the second thing is the Clippers are as well-equipped as any team in the league to defend Luka Doncic. And you saw that in, in the two regular season matchups that Luka really struggled. Um, you know, he, he shot he, – he still averaged 29 points a game, so he still got his points. Uh, and a big thing was his free throws. He got to the, the free throw line a combined 30 times over the two games. So that is a factor. He he does draw a lot of fouls. Both games were in Dallas, so he, he did maybe get a little bit of a favorable whistle um, that he wouldn't get in L.A. But, you know, he still got his 29 points, but he did so on, on 38% shooting, uh, including 18% on threes. So if he's shooting the ball that poorly, uh, you're, you're going to live with that, even if he gets his 29 points. So I, I think... With Kawhi stepping up defensively over the last month, month and a half, PG's been playing better defensively. Rodney Magruder actually defended Luka really, really well. And this is maybe a matchup that you could see a little bit more Rodney. Um, And then also having guys like Marcus Morris and Jermichael Green who could switch on to him in the pick and roll. Like, I I do think the Clippers are well-equipped 
um, to to defend Luca and, and especially in the pick and roll. Now, the one thing that would be interesting to me is, as we were talking about before this uh, episode, you know that that Clippers game in Houston where the Clippers, you know, everyone was wondering what was going to happen. Houston was playing so well with the small ball unit. Are the Clippers going to go small? Are they going to try to, you know, put Jamichael or Marcus at the five and, and see how that goes? The Clippers stayed big and, and tortured uh, Houston in the pick and roll and on the offensive glass with Trez and with Zoo. But I actually think Dallas is a team that has been playing small, but because of Porzingis, you know, he, Porzingis is not P.J. Tucker. He's not six foot six that you can kind of exploit in the pick and roll and on the offensive glass. He's seven foot three. He's bigger than zoo. He's bigger than Trez. And I think he would provide a kind of weird matchup issue for the Clippers where you might actually see the Clippers go small to kind of combat that. Um, and, and, you know, having KP so much in the pick and roll with Luca, I don't know if you want zoo and Trez switching onto Luca. I, I think that's, that's a clear mismatch in Dallas's favor, but if you put Marcus Morris there, you, you put your Michael green there, or even go small with, with Kawhi or PG, now I think that's a more even kind of um, you know switch. So I think this is actually a matchup we would see the Clippers go small. You, you might see less Zoo or Trez uh, depending on how small Dallas goes, and, and it would be interesting kind of seeing you know KP going up against like six foot seven, six foot eight guys, almost like what Golden State did against Dallas uh, when they upset them in two thousand seven. You know what's interesting? So you you brought up how going small might be one way to kind of uh, exploit the Porzingis thing. I don't disagree with you for one very interesting point. He's such a bad post-up player that playing smaller guys against him isn't the end of the world. Yeah, no, uh, I, I think I think you could get away with it. I think everyone can agree five games and six games at most. Is that what we think with this series? Yeah. I think five. I could see seven if, if shooting gets wonky. Yovan? Yeah, I, I I would say I'd bet five. Look, look, I, it would not surprise. I think the Clippers, with the way they've been playing and their talent, they are good enough to sweep this team. Like, I would not be shocked. But I'd, I'd probably be more surprised by a seven-game series than a sweep. But I I would not, it, like, I, I would say probably to me six games is, is maybe more likely than, than a sweep. Uh, just because I, I think the combination of... Again, Luca. Anytime you have a top five player in a series, I, I think you could win a game or two. Um, Rick Carlisle, uh, you know, as Farbod mentioned, and um, as we've seen time and time again, like he gets the most out of his guys. He really maximizes the potential. I actually think an, another underrated factor here is I don't, you know, on, on paper the Clippers have a depth advantage against every team, but I actually think Dallas is like the is a team that could match their depth. I would still favor the Clippers' depth. But again, you know, um, Rick Carlo just puts together these junkyard dog second unit lineups that he, he just always finds a way for them to be positive. And he's continued to do that this season. Uh, th- this is a pretty deep team. J.J. Barea came in and, and destroyed the Clippers in that first God matchup. And, uh, you know, mention I, him. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I, I wrote it jokingly in my preview. I'm like, if, if J.J. Barea plays more than 10 minutes a game in this series, Dallas might win. But like they got J.J. Barea, they got Boban. They got these kind of guys who could just come in and make stuff happen, uh, which, of course, the Clippers do, too. And, and adding Reggie Jackson has worked out really well for them. But um, I think it's not to me, it's not a given that the Clippers would win the second unit matchups like Dallas, I think, can at least hold their own, if not win them. Uh, in which case it really puts a lot of pressure on the starters to outplay Dallas's starters. So I would say overall, you, you know, gun to my head or metaphorical gun to my head, I, I pick Clippers in five. 
Um, but I, I really could see variance in this series, especially with just how well Dallas shoots the ball. Uh, again, they've gone to this small ball lineup with, with uh, Porzingis at the five and, and putting in Seth Curry in there. And they've just been shooting people out the gym. And, you know, I, I think that there are some rockets to them where like, you know, we, we've seen some variance with the rockets in the playoffs and, you know, they've pushed teams like the Warriors to, to six, seven games, but they've also um, kind of underachieved and underperformed at times in the playoffs. So I could see a similar thing with Dallas where you know maybe they get swept, they don't shoot the ball well, and the Clippers kick their butt. Um, but I could also see, you know, them shooting really well and, and maybe stretching the Clippers to six. And the other thing is we never know what Clippers team is showing up. We never know how seriously they take things. And I do think once the playoffs roll around, they will be more serious. But you know, I could see them kind of viewing Dallas as an easier matchup than, than maybe they would be. All right, so so I have two questions. Number one, is Joachim Noah on the longest 10-day contract in NBA history? Yes. <laughs> you know, I, I was actually wondering this today, uh, getting ready for the podcast, and I started thinking, like, he might be ready to go for a postseason series with all this time off. Like, it's not that crazy, right? I guess so, but I still, even if he was ready to go, he would still be like a third string in case Zoo gets fouled out type situation to me. Yeah, oh, I don't think he would be like a major minutes guy, but I just find it interesting, like for like maybe five minutes a game, I think he would be ready for that at that point. I mean, mean, before we get, you know, actually, what was your other question? Sorry about that. I totally didn't realize you said you had two. Oh, no, you're good. My last question was going to be, what what is each of your guys' favorite moment of this current season? Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to ask, too. I was going to say, before we got a little too far ahead, assuming the season ended and we went straight to the playoffs, is there a favorite moment from the entire year? I'm going to let Jovan go first. This is tough. Um, I'm actually writing uh, about the top 10 moments of the season. Um, So I I have a bunch of candidates. to me, it comes down to one of the two Laker wins. I think I think there's you know probably five or six choices that you could pick from and, and wouldn't necessarily be wrong. To me, I, I would go the, the first two Laker wins, one of the two. Um, I guess if I had to pick one specifically, I would probably go Christmas Day, um, just because I, I felt you know they were deeper into the matchup. Um, you know, it was what two two and a half months into the season. The Lakers were playing really, really well, um, you know, because the, the Lakers used the excuse or at least Lakers Twitter used the excuse, you know, on opening night, despite the Clippers not having Paul George shots fired that uh, that, it, you know, it was, it was the first game and, and they weren't adjusted and, all, you know, whatever. But by Christmas time, the Lakers were you know probably the best team in the league at that point, And the Clippers still came in. Um, you know, in a hostile environment, you know, at Staples Center, you know, against, you know, Lakers home crowd and won on Christmas Day um, in a game that they didn't even play that well. And that's really, you know, to, to bring it to a more like macro perspective, like that's the one thing that we may never get this Lakers Clippers matchup. But um, I think the Lakers have, have arguably outplayed the Clippers in all three games and the Clippers are still up two one in the season series. And, and that to me kind of bodes well for the Clippers going into the playoffs if these two teams match up because I don't think the Clippers have played anywhere close to their potential and they're still up 2-1 in the season series. So that to me, if anything, just kind of suggests that this matchup does heavily favor the Clippers um, and, and maybe heavily is not the right word, but I would say I would pick the Clippers in a seven-game series. So um, 
yeah, I think it would it'd be one of the two Laker games, but I'd probably lean towards Christmas. All right, what do you got, Farbon? What's your moment? You know, opening night was really cool because I remember opening night going into there being like, I don't think they're gonna win. They don't have Paul George. I don't. It's not gonna happen. And then halftime came in, and then they were down. I think double digits. And I remember talking to Tomer, and both of us were like, "This doesn't look very good." And we both just kind of resigned our fate at the, you know, for that game. And then they just turned it on. And then you're like, oh, "Okay, so these guys are this good, you know, without Paul George." But the other, the other moment I thought was really cool was the Houston game, the most recent one where they smacked them by like 30 points, just because that seemed like one of the first games all season where. When the Clippers messed up the Rockets the way they did, especially just exposing everything, it was one of those moments where I felt like every analyst was like, oh, the Clippers are the favorites now. Like, did you see what they did? They just went into Houston's own yard and they took them out. And this, that was like a turning point to the season for me for after the post-All-Star. Because the first game after the All-Star break, they lost to the Kings, which left a sour taste. And then once they did that Houston game, that's when I was like, okay, these guys aren't messing around anymore. So I've kind of like went back and forth on what I would probably put as the best like moment. And I think I'm going to go with the Clippers win on the road in Toronto. And and it narrowly edges out a a game that you guys are going to think is weird. It narrowly edged out the game from two nights before that, where they went on the road to Indiana and beat the Pacers by 11 without Kawhi Leonard on the second night of a back-to-back. Paul George drops 36 and Lou Williams went two of 19 and the Clippers won by 11. But I'm going to go with the Raptors one because that was an emotional night. Kawhi Leonard gets his championship ring. The crowd is, that was an electric crowd. It was one of the best crowds in the NBA this season. And the Clippers just like Toronto took control in the first quarter. And in that second quarter, the Clippers bludgeoned them. And it wasn't really a game after that point. You know, Kawhi goes 8 of 14, drops 23 points, but he slices them up with his passing. Paul George didn't shoot well, but his defense was great. Montrezl Harrell was good. Lou Williams was great. Like, everyone, that was one of the games where everyone played their role to, like, a perfect, uh, just, it was just a great game to watch. Like, Toronto had Lowry, they had Siakam, they had Ananobi, they had Marcus All. They were healthy. I think, uh, yeah, Serge was there. Serge was like 0 of 8 from the field. I remember he was awful that night. But the Clippers controlled that game. And that was one of the times where it was like, you know what? They went on the road against a really good Toronto team who was pretty much healthy. I think the only guy they were missing was uh, Fred Van Vliet. I think that was the only guy Toronto was missing. And they just, they bludgeoned them. And that's when it was kind of like, you know what? This team could be something really special. And obviously stuff changed after that. Like guys got hurt and, you know, things changed. And then obviously there was the run they just went on before the season uh, went on hiatus. But that one game, like it was on the road. It's in a hostile environment. It's an emotional night. And the guy that won them a ring was your best player that night in his return to that city. And it was it was honestly like beautiful to watch. I mean, I, I, I actually forgot about that game a little bit, but when you mention it in the way that you did, like I can understand why you would pick that. It just gets lost in the shuffle of all those super hyped up Laker games. It does, and I, like another game that comes to mind is when they beat Denver by like thirty. You know, just before the season got stopped. You know, Denver was healthy, the Clippers were healthy, and the Clippers just beat the crap out of them. And if I remember correctly from that game, that was a game where Marcus Morris was like zero of five from three. 
Uh, Shamit didn't shoot well from three. I don't even think Kawhi shot well from three that night, and they beat them by 30. And it was the battle for the two seed, I think. Right. Like, that. that's actually what kind of flipped it, is you got to see against elite teams what the Clippers could do. Now, they, of course, they lost the Lakers in the third meeting, but at the end of the day, that's still one game, and we got to factor in that for every game that we talk about. That's also just one night. But for that one night, in Toronto, the Clippers were amazing. At home against Denver, they were amazing. And that's what I'm talking about. Like, you see the potential for that team, and you kind of just hope that the hiatus and the postponement, you hope it doesn't ruin that. And if it does, it's going to be just another another notch in a long line of Clippers what-ifs. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. If, if the season were to get canceled or things were to get really wonky, for that to happen the year that the Clippers are projected to be the championship favorites and have their best team of all time would be the most Clipper thing of all time. Think about it from several teams' perspectives, right? Like that for the Clippers. Well, Milwaukee just lost another year of Giannis, and now they're you know they're up against the precipice of keeping him in Milwaukee with a title contender. LeBron just aged another year, even as incredible as he was at age thirty-seven. Well, now he uh, th- what thirty? I say thirty-seven. I'm wrong on that. Was he like 35? 35. So he's thirty-five. Now he's got to go into his year thirty-six, and it's like, does he have it still? Is that when father time gets him? Maybe not. I mean, it's LeBron. But it's like all these top echelon teams have these questions that's like, is that the year? Did did this hiatus just screw our best chance at a title for the foreseeable future? And in a way, it's kind of what makes all of this fascinating. I mean, you could call it fascinating, but I just, to me, it's like... It's heartbreaking. The Clipper curse is real. That's all I can say. Jovan, do you believe in the Clipper curse? I had given up on it until this, <laughs> like, you, you know, cause, cause really like if you look at, I think to me, there was three teams that were on a different tier than everybody else. So it was the Clippers, the Lakers and the Bucks and the Lakers and the Bucks have won titles before, you know, the, the Lakers of course are the Lakers and, and the Bucks won a couple titles in the seventies. And um, you know, it has been a while for Milwaukee, but you know, they've even, you know, they had an Eastern Conference Finals run in 2001 with Ray Allen and Sam Cassell. And, you know, they've probably, I mean, they've been better than the Clippers over the last, you know, 30 plus years because almost everyone has been better than the Clippers, you know, the past 30 plus years. So this really, I think, affects the Clippers more than anyone else if you're talking about, you know, the the potential of a canceled season and how that could impact, uh, you know, one of the true contenders. Like, you know, yes, Milwaukee has some stuff with Giannis of, of you know is he going to return or, or not and, and that's important and you know like like you said LeBron only has so many years left and um, you know wasting a year for him w- w- would be unfortunate for him and the Lakers but for the Clippers like you know now you have one year left of, of Kawhi and PG under contract and now that puts a bunch of pressure on next season to you know have a deep playoff run to, to potentially win a title um, you know and I think that's really uh, almost even worse than not winning a championship potentially is like you're you just have all this pressure now of what happens next season are Kawhi and PG happy is this what they signed up for um that could potentially have been answered had they made the conference finals or finals or, or won a championship now you're just really putting all this pressure on 2020 2021 um with potentially things blowing up in your face and if, if those two guys walk away like 
you know, th- that's the doomsday scenario. But now you gave up all these assets and, and kind of decimated your, your assets for the next decade or so, um, you know, f- for this shot that was kind of ruined by this just unfortunate, you know, tragic event. Um, so that would really be kind of, of, of course, like the, the ultimate worst case scenario. But I, I just think that becomes in play if you lose a season and, and these guys don't have some type of resolution to their first year together. And that would really be unfortunate. So um, I, I do, I, I'm going to hold out some hope that the season, you know, I, I, I don't want to say the season is going to be canceled because that would just be depressing. And, and I don't want to get to that point yet. Um, but it, it is definitely in play, of course, and, and you know, is a realistic scenario. So I, I really hope that doesn't happen. I hope the Clippers have a postseason. I think they'll have a deep postseason run if that happens. And um, I think it would, you know, as we just have kind of discussed, like it, they they easily could win a title, and that would be you know the biggest thing by far in this franchise's history. Um, and it really kind of bring everything full circle with what they've been doing the last couple of years. Jovan. We we can't thank you enough for joining us. I mean, this isn't fun times to talk basketball because there's really not a lot happening, but we can't thank you enough for joining us to to discuss the Clippers, to discuss a potential playoff series against the Dallas Mavericks if it does happen, which we hope it does because then all your work would have been for good reasons. <laughs> yeah. After, I, after, after uh, I wrote those three pieces, I was like, I really hope this isn't for, for nothing. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not going to thank you. I, I hate your guts. Nothing's changed. <laughs> uh, even a, a pandemic can't bring Farbod to uh, to love me. <laughs> Jovan, where can people find you, find your work, find anything that you do? Because, look, we're going to go to you for content because you are a hookup. You are going to be posting Instagram stuff because I see your stories every day. And, you know, you write Clipper articles that people read. As I always say, it's ARJ. Always read Jovan. So where can people find you? Thank you. Uh, well, you can find me on the athletic.com right now. We have a 90 day free trial, which is extended from our typical seven day free trial. So if you have not signed up for the athletic yet, I recommend you giving us a shot. Um, you can also find my podcast, the clip city podcast uh, on the athletic, as well as Apple podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Then you can find me on social media at Yovan Buha, J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. Farbrod, you got anything? Anything coming up? Yeah. What I'm trying to do now with Sports Illustrated is have different pieces scheduled each week while the season's done. So every Thursday, we're going to try to do like a throwback Thursday, reviewing one of the best older games that there's been, doing player reviews. And then we're also doing celebrity interviews with how celebrities became fans of the Clippers. So just small little things to keep everybody still engaged. And then we're also going to start doing a ranking the top 30 Clipper players of all time. All right. So if you want to follow Farbod, it's at Farbod F F A R B O D underscore E on Twitter. That's where he posts his stuff. If you want to find me, uh, I'm on Twitter at fly by night. Uh, I just did a video today that where it came out today or yesterday, excuse me. Uh, about Paul George and how well he is at shooting the three ball off of screens because that's a weapon that the Clippers found, which has helped them in a lot of games because, shocker, Paul George is pretty good. Who knew? So, you know, hey, it's nice to remind ourselves every now and then of the good things that happen with the Clippers during the season or else we'd go insane, right? Yeah, I think once uh, to keep myself through this pandemic, maybe once a week I watch the Warriors come back. (laughs) Ooh, that's not bad. 
you know, I put on the uh, the game one comeback against Memphis the other the other day, and a little tear rolled down my cheek because I I kind of missed that. I missed that that feeling of man, no one no one believed in us, and then they did it. You know, this is gonna be a little bit of off tangent. Yovan, you might get caught off in this, but I remember when that game one Memphis game happened. I was watching that on the TV. And then on my computer, I was watching WWE Extreme Rules, Brock Lesnar versus John Cena. <laughs> and it was Brock Lesnar's return for the first time ever. And the Clippers were down like 20. And I was like, all right, screw this. I'm going to watch wrestling. And then I turn around, they start winning. And like, I didn't know what to do anymore. And I tried to watch both at the same time. Like, I kind of lost, I kind of lost myself collectively all at once. To be fair, that sums up everything that's happening right now. We've all lost ourselves collectively at once and are trying to patch everything together. So, guys, this was awesome. Jovan, we're going to have you on again sometime soon. Because why not? You're the man. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you. No I problem. will not call you the man. Ever. <laughs> not once. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you guys later. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you. So you can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.